Kylie, thanks for, for talking with me. Really appreciate thanks. your time here. Yeah, it's no, good. it's a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, so I wanted to uh, uh, talk a little bit about your experiences with evaluation and kind of related topics. And I wonder if you could start off with um, kind of relaying your your background and you know why your interest in evaluation, program evaluation. Yeah. Uh, so I did my undergrad in population health, and one of our core courses was program evaluation, and that was back in 1988. And there weren't many courses in evaluation back in 1988. And I remember it was an 8.30 class and I remember we all kind of dragged ourselves to get into the room on time. And our, uh, my prof at the time, Dr. Anita Myers, would, would say to us, guys, listen up, this is, this is gonna be really important. You are going to need this skill. And sure enough, population health, public health, they're always launching new pilots and they were always needing to test them. And it's funny when I do bump into my classmates what is it now, 30 years, 40 years later, we'll right. all look at each other and go, what are you doing? And I'll say, I'm an evaluation consultant. They'll laugh and they say, I use evaluation all the time. <laughs> so uh, she was she was right. And uh, yeah, been, been busy with it ever since. And it wasn't your degree program. It was a class that was off, that was related. That ah. sort of, what was the degree that you, you or the, the program that you're in or what was that, what was the, the context of that? It was called. It was an undergrad degree in health studies, uh, which is was basically an early version of population health. Okay, got it. Yeah, got it. yeah, yeah. And I'm one of those rare evaluators uh, who I don't have a graduate degree. I uh -huh. had a uh, a very short, messy, unhappy experience. I went back at 48 to do my master's, and uh, I have to say, I quit after four months. I couldn't stand it. <laughs> I'm a uh, I'm a practitioner. I'm just not an academic, James. I'm a yeah. practitioner, and I'm yeah. kind of proud of it. So, the experience of your your projects and your uh, of your your life, that, the actual work you're doing. So yeah, I I just I'm more happy in the trenches. I uh -huh. I am. Um, I probably should have done my my grad degree right after, but I just needed to get out and uh, yeah. So yeah. How would I, so kind of like related to the, what you were just talking about a little, little while ago, what, um, how is uh, evaluation relevant for, would you say, for, for students, for people in health and human services who have no idea what evaluation is or don't, you know, are not interested in it, like they're taking evaluation because they had to, you know, or they have to, uh, right. but that's not why they're in their program or their, you know, their, their focus. Like what, why is it relevant at all? Right. Well, and, and just thinking back to my last comment, that's probably not a good advertisement for your grad students. I'm sorry. <laughs> I do wish I do wish I had a grad degree, but I don't. It's too late. I don't care. Um, but stay with your program, everybody. Um, it, well, yeah, again, you know, we had no idea really why we were doing it at the time, but evaluation, you know, it's the number one career that everybody falls into. It's very rare that people get specific training in evaluation and go out and say, I'm going to become an evaluator. They fall into it. And you know this, James, that they fall into it because somebody asks them to do it in their, in their job and they start experimenting with it, get a little bit of exposure and realize like, wow, I really like this. Mm -hmm. And the demand for evaluation is, is huge. It just, it's a sunrise career. It just keeps growing and growing. And in health and human services, it all operates on 
programming and pilot programming and innovation in programming and what follows innovation is evaluation to learn if it's working or not and how it can be changed and you know learning culture and and everything and i guess what what really appealed to me was I, I really enjoyed my research methods and my stats classes, even at the wow. undergrad level. I loved them. I loved them. And uh, evaluation was like the icing on the cake because all of a sudden I got to practice that. But in the real world, it was, it was a bit messier. Uh, but once I came to terms with that, I realized, oh, my God, I'm doing research. But I'm doing research in a way that lets me get out in the community and, and work with institutions and nonprofits and people on the front lines. And I love that. And so I'd, I'd say try to find something in it. If it's, if it's just feeling like a hurdle that you have to get through right now, try to find something in it that you can relate to your own life or your own kind of career goals. Cause you'll find that evaluation connects with everything. It doesn't matter if you're health and human services or environment or energy policy or whatever, everything everywhere has to be evaluated at some point. Yeah. Pretty much, and not just within health and human services, but it's like evaluation is just ubiquitous, right? It's like a, we all have to we make evaluations all the time, right? Just to function. Yeah, and you know, it, 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 as far as careers go, like my toolbox is so full. It's so diverse. The skills I get to be analytical, but I also get to be creative. I get to be out talking with people, and then I get to have days where all I do is is do charts. And it's it's not every day is different. I'm just happy as a clam waking up every morning, seeing what's on my plate. I feel the same way. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my kids ask me why like we talk about I'll bring up stuff about my work at the table like, oh, no, don't talk about work. I'm like, it's not really I don't think about it as work. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, exactly. and I think that's that's a, a nice thing because it, it certainly wasn't like that for me always, um, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, the evaluation failures book. Uh, why? Why did you know? I. It's not easy compiling a book, editing a book, writing a book, chapters, everything like that. Like, why did you do it? Why were you involved with that? Why did you? How did? Why put the effort into it? Tell me about that book. Right. So there's the official answer, and then there's also the kind of backstory real <laughs> answer as well. So the official let's answer I, is... Let's see if I know the backstory. Yeah, right. yeah, well, the official answer is that I just feel like I had a whole bunch of failures, and some of them, you know, sent me to bed for a day or two just under the covers, just feeling like crap. And the older I got and the more experienced I got under my belt, the the more I realized there was some heavy duty learning from that failure. And I had this big surprise where I found out when I started sharing those failures with other evaluators, I, I realized that that created space for them to share their own personal failures with, with me. And then I realized we're all walking around with these failures, feeling bad about them. Uh, but meanwhile, there's all these lessons that we could be sharing with, with our colleagues. And I don't think anybody should be forced to share a failure until they're ready. But when they're ready, you realize, wow, that wasn't so bad. And I'm not the, the first person to have done that. There's people who have done stuff that is worse. And so I thought, well, let's just get it out there. And I purposely went for an edited book because... Uh, I had already written two books prior to that, and I just couldn't put any more time into writing a book. 
But also I thought if I went after some of the highest profile evaluators and said, tell me about a time when you messed up, then that would make younger and emerging evaluators and other evaluators just more comfortable to share themselves when they realize it doesn't matter how high profile you are, how many years of experience you have under your belt, that everybody fails and, and repeatedly, you know, I mean, I'm generally, I've got one failure fairly recent in my memory. So, mm -hmm. so that's, that's the official version. The, the, <laughs> the, the, the backstory is uh, a woman gave me a, a lift into town one day and casually tossed this book on my lap and said, Oh, look, would you like a copy of my new book here? I'll sign it for you. And I, and I looked at it and I realized that she hadn't written the book. She had edited the book. So basically other people had written the chapters and she got her name on a book. And I thought, Hey, that's a smart idea. <laughs> I can get a book out of this. And, uh, and uh, then I thought about it, and then the whole failure thing came came uh -huh. to my yeah, mind. Yeah, you all had it. There was uh, a couple of AEA presentations, right, on on this. That's right. That's right. right. Um, actually, my book I think had been written around the same time as those. So, but uh, but yeah. other fields, en engineers without borders, they do an annual fail fest conference, and uh, so I think evaluation was actually yeah. just a little bit behind other fields. But it, it's uh -huh. certainly the time is now. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Uh, how do you define failure then? So what is what is because I think we're, we said the word failure, but what does that actually mean? Because it sounds really, really bad. But is it really? I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. I'm glad you asked that. So we put it out and I put out the, the request to to all of these contributors for your story of failure. But generally, when they come back, they come back as challenges. You know, there, there was like there was a few sometimes people would submit their drafts to my inbox and I would I would read them and go, <gasps> Oh my god! <laughs> I can't believe bad. you did that. Oh my god, that's awful. Um, but no, most of them were just kind of challenges, or a lot of those failures. They were ignoring those red flags that we all get when we're doing a project or an evaluation, uh, and we yeah. and we see them, and somebody's waving them in front of us, but we just don't quite act on them. That a lot of them were just ignoring red flags. Yeah. So my father used to say something like, and I think it's a, it's a saying, I thought he came up with it, but he did, I don't think he did, but he used to say something like the smartest person learns from other people's mistakes. I think it's a popular, you know, yeah. and so is there, is there a bit of that here? Like sort of, there's the, the emotional side of just like sharing and, and learning from each other's mistakes, but then I'm um, just knowing, uh, kind of actually learn, actually learning and, and learning from what those mistakes are and, in order to maybe do things a little differently so you don't have to go through them yourself. I mean, I, it's, it's hard to, to really to do that, but um, what, what's, your, what's your sense of that? Is there a, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, you can try and prepare yourself as much as possible to go through life with no failures. Uh, and there were definite themes. So there's 22 chapters, 22 contributors. Okay, definitely. Themes, right? One is like didn't engage stakeholders enough. And we talk about this a lot in evaluation. I think it's really like the prime directive from, you know, to use a Star Trek analogy, but it's, yeah, yeah didn't do the work, didn't do the background work engaging stakeholders. Um, also, another theme was just kind of ignoring context and, and not paying enough attention to context and, and complicated systems around context. Also, uh, scope blowout was is a big one as well. Just not knowing how to manage that scope of an evaluation, 
Yeah, so it, it would get bigger and bigger. You mean the scope just getting yeah. out of control, uh, bigger than what yeah. was really agreed or defined or, okay. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, and those red flags are waving and you, you're like just ignoring it and saying, I can do this, we can do this, we can do this. And then all of a sudden everything implodes. So uh -huh. yeah, 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 yeah. Those, those were some of the really, those were some of the really common ones. Uh, I'm just kind of looking as well. You know, there was a couple of cross-cultural um, instances, but again, that's ignoring the context. Like, honestly, it's sometimes, I've, like if I had to boil down evaluation to two concepts, it would be, or two rules of thumb, engage your stakeholders and appreciate the context because every evaluation is in a different context. Mm -hmm. So that, that's yeah. one of the ways. It's interesting when you talk about evaluation and contrast that with research earlier on. That's one yeah. of the ways in which uh, you can sort of contrast it. How how applied it is, how context specific it is, right. and right. how important it is to be. Yeah, I, I, you know, I've had researchers come to me and say, "There's no difference between research and evaluation." You know, we have stakeholders. Uh, yeah, but you're holding the whole the whole approach, the whole <laughs> you know. So it's like it takes a lot to to sort of get appreciation yeah. for that. Well, I didn't get it either. I mean, I, I, I graduated from a program where we didn't take one evaluation course and there was no mention of it. So um, yeah. you know, it was like, oh, well, yeah. and, you know, a lot of these things, James, you cannot learn in a course. They're the soft skills like, oh, you yeah. know, you impart all those hard and hard skills that an evaluator needs. But the soft skills, those are going to, either you're incredibly blessed with them, which most of us aren't, or you're just gonna learn them through experience in the school of hard knocks, right? Like, yeah, engaging stakeholders, speaking with clients, you know, prepping people to be evaluated. Yeah, those, those all come from experience. And so emerge, young and emerging evaluators, they have to be really gentle with themselves because it, it takes a while to build up that experience. Yeah, those are, those are very difficult skills to, to build up. They're very, very complicated, very complex. Um, yeah. So um, specific strategies and tactics to engage stakeholders. One of the first things you mentioned. So then um, how, how best to, in your work, so stepping back like to your work in general, what do, you, what do you do generally to engage your stakeholders in evaluation? Things that you do, um, general approaches, specific I don't know, activities you do, whatever it might be that has that result, like getting them more involved. Cause that, that, that can be a real challenge, especially when depending on the funding and how the evaluation is, is driven and, and why it's being done and everything. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it starts with your very first meeting uh, with who the program that's going to be evaluated. I think people, people tend to think of an evaluator as an auditor or a, a financial auditor, somebody who's going to come in and, and evaluate them or, or come with a checklist and a clipboard and be monitoring what they do. And it just doesn't work that way. So I'm, I'm very conscious of that. And I'm always anticipating that that's what they expect from me. And so right from the get go, from that very early meeting, uh, I just set the tone for this is going to be a participatory process. These are the areas that, I have expertise and, and these are the ways that I can help you do the evaluation. And this is what I'm going to be looking to, uh, to you for, you know, I'm going to, we're going to need your input in helping to determine what gets evaluated and how, and I really need your help in, in letting me know are some of these data collection methods, are these realistic or not? Can you suggest another, another way to do it? So 
very participatory, very collaborative, right from developing the logic model, developing the, the framework. It's pretty rare that I go in and say, I'm going to evaluate this program and how. I, it doesn't mean that I kind of surrender all my autonomy as an evaluator. I'm still there as the expert. And if, if, if there's an area that really needs to be included in the evaluation, then I will make very strong arguments why it should be. Um, but, but a lot of people think that that's the extent of engaging your stakeholders. And there's numerous points throughout the evaluation where you can engage them right through, you know, the data collection to uh, a relatively new concept, the, the data party, which we're starting to hear more and more about. Um, I first heard this term back in 2009. Yeah, what is that? What the is that? Data, the data party. So. Uh, I heard Patricia Rogers from Australia use it back in 2009, and she swears it wasn't hers, but um, it's basically participatory data analysis or a participatory review of the initial analyses. So it, it occurs before you go away and, and write a final report or formulate final conclusions or recommendations. You run the draft results by stakeholders and you know ask them questions like, is this what you were expecting? Or does anything about this surprise you? And uh, what do you think would be a, an appropriate response to these results? And who, how, why, who needs to hear this? And what might be appropriate ways to disseminate this? And uh, do these recommendations look realistic? So you get there, again, it's another point in the process where you get their participation and that helps build that ownership because ultimately the evaluator disappears even if you're an internal evaluator, and it's up to those program staff to implement the recommendations to make the change. And if they haven't bought into the process, they're not gonna implement anything. Data party. Data party, that's right. Who brings, who brings the drinks? No, <laughs> just the caffeine, yeah. just the caffeine. Yeah. Um, all right, so uh, favorite resources related to Val? Uh, Val, program design, whatever. Yeah, so I have to I have to be honest. I, I'm not a big textbook person. I don't uh -huh. have a pile by my bed. Um, as I said earlier, every evaluation is is very context uh, specific and context dependent. So my go to is is often the gray literature. I really want to just go on Google and find out, you know, who's evaluated a similar type program or, um, you know, what is what is background information I need about this particular context? Um, and I guess you know my other resource is just other evaluators. I find that um, I've just over the years I've formed such close relationships with with my with my colleagues that there's many that I consider a friend now. I mean, even you and you and I, James, right? We've connected on certain musical acts that tour the country. Um, and so I will sometimes just, just, you know, I've got my survey resource who I'll call and go, what do I do about this question? Or so I tend to, yeah, I, I tend to go to people. I tend to like to go to the horse's, horse's mouth. It's not to say that I don't go to literature when I have to, but um, uh, yeah, I tend to lean towards the gray okay. literature. It's great talking with people because there's a dialogue, you know, you can, you can engage in a, you know, with, with text, you know, but it's really just one way, right? <laughs> one, you know, or you yeah. get through your imagination, but it's another thing to actually, like I find when I, like when I talk with authors of some of the texts, I get a whole different level of meaning, uh, understanding. Uh, there's right. more, you know, there's more 
there's a lot you can get. And then also applying the issue to your specific like evaluation or question or context or whatever, you get some great well, ideas. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, often James, when I need a resource, it's because there's an, it, it's one of those soft skills issues. It's, uh -huh. it's, I've got a client who's resistant or I've got somebody who doesn't seem to want to contribute or something like that. And if it gets to a, uh, a certain point, then I have a, yeah, I have a close group of other evaluators. We call it evaluation therapy. We go for lunch once a year and the dome of silence drops down over the, over the restaurant table. And, you know, we can talk to each other and, and we often know, you know, who the other person is working with and we'll say, you know, what would you suggest? And, the, and uh -huh. these circumstances, that's where I really need the resources at, 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 not to say that I, um, you know, when I'm, when I'm, you know, I've got my go-to my, you know, I go to Stephanie's book for data viz and stuff like that. That one's pretty well thumbed. Sheila Robinson has a great survey book. I read chapter four and five every once in a while when I need to just kind of, uh, you know, remind myself. Uh, but yeah, no, it's the other evaluators for those, those, those kind of soft skill personality type issues. Uh -huh. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. We we spoke with uh, Sheila uh, and t talked about her book, which is a great yeah. book. Uh, her, her, yeah. yeah. Well, it's not just her; it's uh, her and uh, her and Kim. And Kim yeah. And Kim, right? Yeah. Kim. Yeah. yeah. All right. So um, mindfulness. We're we're working on a chapter. We're working on a uh, paper right now. There's a group of us, and we presented last year. I presented last year, and you know, hopefully, I don't know what the presentation will look like this year. But wondering on mindful. You have, I think, your your own. Uh, uh, practice, right? Um, does it relate in some way to evaluation? How might it relate to evaluation? What's your thoughts on the whole thing? Yeah, so I, um, I'm a Vipassana practitioner and I try to do 30 minutes a day. It's not like I don't get pushed off that every once in a while, but I, and then I try to do a 10 day retreat every year, except not right now in the time of COVID, which is unfortunate because AEA was in Portland this year, and there was one finishing on uh, a 10 day retreat in Portland was finishing on October 24th. And my, my, my other colleague and I were all primed to go and then kind of waltz into AEA super Zen like, but uh, that's not gonna happen now. But you know, I mean, aside from all the other benefits of mindfulness in, in your life, I think it makes me, um, it makes me a more kind of observant evaluator it makes me just kind of slow down and be really present with what i'm with what i'm doing you know when you've been doing it as long as i have you can tend to fall into going through the motions right and okay first we crank out the logic model then we do this and you know if you really want to be attentive to those soft skill issues which are often the things that are going to derail your evaluation um, you know, if you're going to be aware of your context, then you have to be present and creating the time and the space to think about that stuff rather than just kind of going through that same routine. And now I'm going to bang out these interview questions, but being mindful just is that is being present in, in everything that you do. I think you, I think I produce a better quality product. And when I look back on all the times when I've had these failures and these, these troubles, it's because I've been like, I think one of my worst work failures, I just had way too much on my plate. I was just juggling so much. I had a client that I thought was giving me two projects to evaluate and, you know, very quickly that ramped up to nine and I, and I should have said no, but I, I didn't. 
And why didn't I? Because of ego, and there's an ego issue, right, with mindfulness and, and meditation. And, um, you know, I started dropping balls everywhere. And I really did not give one project the full benefit of, of my concentration or my time or devote my time to it. And, and that was a time when meditation just dropped right off the, the plate, right? And well, if that happens, then yeah, you start dropping balls and you're just going from, you're just racing from moment to moment and not really being conscious of what you're doing. But I just, I just have a, a better product and, and I'm just a lot more thoughtful about the group that I'm working with, the context that I'm working in and the stuff that I'm producing. Do you think that there's that mindfulness can impact um, our awareness of our own cognitive biases? That's kind of a yeah. question. Because what, what are you yeah. going to say? Yeah. So I should probably ask the question better. But well, we'll forgive yeah. me, right? Um, I I- tell me about that because uh, that's something I've been thinking about a lot, and I, uh, I I know I didn't put it in our in our question our discussion list here, but <laughs> I wanted to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no, and it's it's a prompt. I think it's a, it's a great prompt. Um, you know, right now I'm working with a client who I'll be honest, you know, this person rubs me the wrong way and, Uh and, uh, mindfulness is a great way to, to kind of be aware of that Uh and and thinking why and how that is impacting my interactions with, with that client. Right. And okay. Evaluators were supposed to be neutral and objective. Well, yeah, no, that's crap. Right. (laughs) Everybody is subjective, but we do our best. But I think um, mindfulness just helps me be a lot more aware of, you know, okay, yeah, you are feeling a bit of negativity towards this person and you are evaluating their program. And so, so what is the impact of that, right? And, and working to try and keep that in check. Um, yeah, no, I think it's incredibly valuable. I, I, you know, it, it's not just evaluators that need mindfulness. It's, it's every single person on the earth would benefit from it. Okay. So maybe yeah. we'll pull some quotes out of there for the, for the paper. I'll check with you first. Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, so a book, uh, is there a book that you recommend for other people that you give to other people as a gift? That is, um, just sort of a kind of a random question, but let's see, let's see where it goes. Yeah, that's interesting. So I did about three years ago, I went through, through, uh, I gave it like, lots of people i not give it out but lots of re- recommendations for white fragility obviously um that one was really impactful uh i went through my own moment of white fragility and was kind of processing it and a friend kind of gently told me about it and and it was funny when she told me i i was even feeling a little bit like oh but uh when i read it it was like oh yeah okay i needed to read this um so, white mean, fragility, like, so that so that was the book that was a few that was yeah, a few years ago yeah. Yeah, and yeah, that's talked was, about a lot recently. I think that book has been that term, and right, and then it's so yeah. timely. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's definitely so timely. Um, do you mean like other evaluation books or? Well, uh, it could be. Uh, yeah, it could be. I, I guess probably something, maybe something related in some way, um, or not. Uh, I think white fragility. That's a great example. So if there's yeah. another one uh, that, you, yeah, I am gonna. I am going to show you this one. I'm pulling. Now you see, I'm pulling it off my shelf. Okay, great. Do you see all these little? I know that's evidence. Yeah, you had it. You got it prepped for this this discussion here. Oh, I did. I did. 
So uh, this is one that I'm referring, I refer people to an awful lot. So it's Facilitator's Guide to Participatory Decision-Making. It's by mm -hmm. Sam Painter. I'll uh -huh. send you the link to it. Um, and this is, uh, this is again, facilitation. It's such an important skill if you're doing participatory evaluation. But let's face it, nobody taught me facilitation in school. That Again, that's all self-taught. There's yeah. good courses on it now. I think it's a really, I think it's a really important skill for an evaluator to have, but it's something that's incumbent upon people to learn themselves. And the way that this book is written, I know it looks really thick, but you'll see it's basically all diagrams. Kind of, yeah. And uh, so it's the kind of book that I find when I'm heading into something where I think that there's going to be a lot of facilitation required, maybe some consensus building and stuff uh -huh. like that then I will just uh, reread these tabbies to just remind myself. Uh, it's just a really quick, really quick nice. way to facilitation in, uh, you know, in an hour or so. So that's my, that's my number one recommendation. Yeah. Great. I love it. Great. Uh, I can't wait to get it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I highly recommend it. It's, it's fabulous. All right. Beautiful. Thank you. What is the best way for people to get in touch with you, follow your work? Um, social media handles, that kind of stuff? Oh, thanks, James. So I have a website, communitysolutions.ca. Okay. And, I'm, uh, and they'll find a whole bunch of free resources and tip sheets uh, mm -hmm. there as well. And I'm also on Twitter, um, at Evaluation Maven. That's a good handle. It's a good, yeah, a little bit of hubris there. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> it's always, <laughs> yeah. I guess you want to be, you want to have a little too much than too little, right? <laughs> yeah. Whatever. In the, spirit, in the spirit, in the spirit of our times. Um, yeah. And then are you, uh, so, so you're, uh, so Twitter's the best way to reach you. It is. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Or you, or directly through the website, they can send me a contact form. Yeah. Okay. And, and I'll say, I spend a lot of time talking to new evaluators on the phone, you know, wanting to just kind of get a, a sense of the career and stuff like that. I'm, uh -huh. I'm easily once a, once a month, I'm chatting to somebody on the phone, just, just letting them, you know, know what, what it's like and answering simple questions and stuff like that. Great. Can, can I ask you back to the, the book that you had before learning, yep. learning those or that those, those range of skills, how did you learn those on your own? Did you have someone who kind of did, did these things with you in real life, like, you know, who kind of coached you? Did you watch other people? Did you just do it and then read and kind of figure it out? Or like, what? take, I, I'm kind of back, I want to back up to that because I've been, uh, yeah. um, I think it's important to kind of go through that a little bit. Yeah. So when I went out on my own as an evaluation consultant, the first thing I did was I went out and bought SVSS. Uh, and back, back in those days, it came in those, floppy disks that weren't really floppy, those little hard ones. Yeah. And, and I never cracked the seal on the package because really quickly all my work came with nonprofits and with nonprofits, you have to use the participatory approach. They will not work with you if you, if you aren't collaborative, like they just don't do well with people coming in and telling them what to do because they're steeped in community development. And so I found very quickly that all of a sudden I was facilitating groups. I was, you know, I was developing a logic model collaboratively, but if you didn't have facilitation skills, then it, it, it didn't fly. And so then um, 
I started paying attention to people who I knew were good facilitators. Mm -hmm. I, I actually found situations where I would either uh, take a course, not on facilitation, but I would just attend events where I knew that so-and-so would be because I knew they were a good facilitator. And I, I learn a lot by observing. So I did kind of create situations where I would be in the presence of these, of these good people. Um, I do know that there are good facilitators. Like I can think of two in where I live in British Columbia. They're very, very high quality facilitation courses. Um, so if people search, then they can find them as well. Um, I did find the book really helpful, but you know, the number one teacher again was experience, just experience going, Oh, that session went really well, or Hmm, mm. that session didn't go that well. I think next time I should do such and such. These are courses that like AEA or just local courses all here and there, different conferences, whatever. Yeah, they're just, they're just, they're actually local providers. And, um, you know, there are facilitator associations. So that's probably a good place to look as well. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, observe, learn by observing. That, that's a big one with facilitation. Because again, it's that soft skill, right? It's hard uh -huh. to teach it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, anything else? Anything else you want to say based on, on what we've talked about or anything else at all? No. Oh, I've just, uh, I, I've just really enjoyed our chat, James. It's always great to, you know, reflect and you've asked some really good questions and I hope I've given coherent answers, but it's just I nice know. to have the opportunity to take a step back and think about some of those things. So, so I appreciate it. Thank you. Great. Yeah. Thanks for your time and your insight and looking forward to, to sharing with others. And uh, I think this will be really helpful. So really good insights. Yeah. Thank you so much. No, it was my pleasure. My pleasure. Okay. Thanks a lot. All right. Take care.